0: France's uh, founding principles are, of course, liberty, equality, and fraternity. But in the cities, towns, and uh, suburbs across France, many people increasingly feel that these ideals do not apply to them. It's a major part of the tension underlying uh, the recent uh, protests uh, about systemic racism in French society, protests which were which was sparked when police shot dead a 17-year-old in his uh, car during a traffic stop. Now, demonstrations against uh, police violence have repeatedly developed into riots and looting and clashes are occurring at a scale never seen before, even in usually quiet villages of France. Professor Andrew Hussing. OBE is a cultural historian and biographer who lives in Paris and he's the author of The French Intifada, The Long War Between France and its Arabs, and he's uh, currently working on a follow-up book. I welcome you, Andrew, to our little wireless program. What is the historical context and background to these
1: latest protests? Um, Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm glad we're homing in on the historical context because there's two different ways of looking at that. First of all, my first encounter with... um, what we called violence urbaine, urban violence in France, was in the 1980s when I was a student in Lyon. And it was the first time that um, the we know now that we call them the Bonneux, the suburbs outside French cities. It was the first time that there had been major confrontations between the police and um, the, the populations of uh, the Bonneux. And this was 1983, 1984, in Lyon, interestingly. And... Um, People didn't know what to make of it. People didn't really understand it. Um, The French government at that time, under francois Mitterrand, were taken aback because this was something that, you know, there was a totally new phenomenon and they tried to understand it in terms of politics. Now, that made sense so far as it was a class-based revolt and the solutions, not solutions, but the the answers to a class-based revolt might have had something to do with reform, poverty, um, um, unemployment, and of course the new element here was um, racism, race discrimination, because the population that was involved in these uh, protests, demonstrations and riots was predominantly North African from the French colonies in the, in the Maghreb and um, displaced into France and feeling all the alienation that that kind of population can feel. Now, the second part of what I, I, I would I was homing on historically is Since the 1980s, there's been a mutation, there's been several generations, lots of things have changed, and what happened last week was something that was waiting to happen that will no doubt happen again, but it's a very different form of, I don't know whether the word, revolt, rebellion, uprising, insurrection... Or, um, or or just simple um, rioting, it's a very different form of protest than what occurred in the 1980s. And the difference is this: is that the new generation, which are rioting, which is rioting, which is which is very young do not seem to have a political agenda. They just seem to be angry. They just seem to be bent on, on rage and destruction. Not all of them, of course, but a certain important proportion of them, which the French call casser. Now, the issue for the French government here, and it's going to be difficult for Macron to deal with this, and I think it will outlast him as an intractable problem in France, is that when you've got a hardcore group of people Young people, young teenagers who have no political agenda, but who feel angry nonetheless, who glimpse the rage around them. Who do you talk to? Who do you negotiate with? This is not the IRA. This is not some kind of organisation that can lead to reform or, or compromise. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's it's something which is almost, it, it, it's not beyond politics, but it escapes contemporary political thinking, uh, uh, as I see it.
0: Andrew, one has to be reminded, of course, of similar events, recent events in the United States with police responses to, uh, uh, to, to, to African-Americans. And you point out that if you're black or North African, you're 20 times more likely to be stopped by the cops and ask for your ID papers in France.
1: French press have been looking at the coverage of the riots from the United States and the English-speaking world in general, and they they have identified what they call the, the George Floyd moment. Is this the George Floyd moment? Will there be another George Floyd moment? And I don't think it's a bad um, description because, you know, um, executing a 17-year-old young man for a traffic infraction is obviously contrary to the spirit of liberty, equality, fraternity, to say the very least. And racial discrimination in France is a very real phenomenon, and um, not helped by the fact that where a lot of the immigrant population, or you know, not immigrant population, but the new population of France live, is um, is separated from the centre, of, the centre of French cities. So you've got a, an urban problem mixed in with racial discrimination, and it's a very toxic mix. Now, what I think is different compared to the George Floyd moment is the very specifically local political issue of, does the, Fred, does, does the values of the French Republic fit the needs of this 21st century population? And I think, I think Macron has been intelligent. I saw today on Le Monde that he's pulling together various think tanks and um, other organisations to try and discuss long-term what it is the the French government could do constitutionally to try and find a way around this impasse.
0: Oh, I want to get back to that topic a little later in our conversation, but it's intriguing the way there's been sort of a combustion of violence even in small villages. It's not just the big cities or the outer suburbs.
1: That's right, and and that's what I think has been absolutely, um, um, I I think has actually um, sent a kind of visceral shock through the whole country. Having said that, if you go to some of these small places, and I'm talking about a place like Mont-Argy or, or a medium-sized town like Rance or you know or so, on, the populations they have bonny as well. They have alienated populations. You know, there's uh, a, 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 the, the 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 dispersal of misery throughout France is actually fairly universal. So that's just a fact of demographics, if you like. But I think what's shocking about it is that a picturesque town like uh, Manalgy or, or Manosque in, in the south of France and so on, you know, the, the what we all think of as fantasy France with baguettes, coffee and, and all of this kind of stuff, um, is being shattered by this violence. And it's hard to put the two images together, um, you know, this France in fragments kind of thing.
0: Andrew, talk to me about the uh, political response across the spectrum. First of all, from the left, if you please.
1: I think the left have not played this very well. Jean-Luc Mélenchon has come out, um, well, not once, but several times, saying that this is all about police brutality and so on, which is not to be ignored, which is very important. But he's misreading the mood of the nation, because even people who would normally be consider themselves to be leftists... Um, uh, have had their shops ruined. I've um, had their businesses ruined, and have been quite devastated by the extremity of some of the violence. So I don't. Th- I think he's he's going in the wrong direction there. And, and of course, the, Le
0: Pen, Marine well, Le Pen, exactly. must be so thrilled
1: by all this. Well, exactly. I was just going to say there that the people who are really benefiting from all of this is is Marine Le Pen's Assemblee Nationale and the more sinister far-right forces which lie even deeper to the right beyond that. And they don't have to do much at the moment. Um, What what is happening at the moment that's causing a lot of trouble is that um, the policeman who shot dead young Nahal Mazouk last week, um, there's been a crowdfunding operation operation launched by a far-right activist which has raised over a million euros, which is far more than... Um, Nahel's family will receive in compensation. And it's become a kind of symbolic, um, a symbolic act, a way of, you know, looking at the two Frances. Do you support the, um, the police or do you support this semi-delinquent Arab? In fact, that was a cartoon in one of the nastier far-right papers yesterday, which just called it a referendum. Um, who owns France? So, the far right are thriving on this. And the more that the left, like people like Jean Vivre, or Shaw, uh, misread the mood, the more they play into the hands of um, of these far right politicians.
0: My guest is Professor Andrew Hussie. Andrew, the role of the police in all of this. Critics say that there's a, uh, a deep cultural problem with the cops.
1: Well, there is. And there's also cultural, not a cultural problem, there's a structural problem in the way that the French police um, are organised I was down in Marseille a couple of weeks ago and I interviewed uh, a young guy in, uh, in one of most dangerous suburbs of Marseille who runs an organisation which is uh, calling for peace effectively, reconciliation uh, his brother had been killed by uh, by a local drug gang. and um, But he complained, and I think this is legitimate, that the only time anybody in his area saw the police was when they had helmets, um, visors, and were carrying he- heavy-grade um, weapons. The idea that the police were your friend or that you could respect the police so that you could rely on police to protect you was not the case. The police were totally and simply your enemy. Now, I've got a lot of sympathy for the police as well because they're often underfunded, exhausted, and placed in in dangerous situations. Um, But the corollary of that is that all too often the police tactics are kind of paramilitary. I mean, I I can give a very direct example. I was accidentally caught in a riot uh, a while back, and I'm, I'm a sort of middle-aged man with a heart condition, quite portly, and I don't look like a, a threat to anybody, I wouldn't have thought. And I was kicked around and tear gassed by the police who just stood there in a phalanx. And I thought, this, this, is, this is what they do. This is, this is, they, they, they act in this paramilitary fashion and everything escalates into this heightened, um, you know, um, extreme ultraviolence.
0: I want to talk about Macron and Marseille in a moment, but is there a chance that the police are also being infiltrated by the far right?
1: I couldn't really give with any authority first-hand knowledge of that. I would say that the police and the military contain elements which are sympathetic to the far right And a concrete example of that was, it was two years ago, 18 months ago, the so-called Lettre des Generaux, which was a letter signed by um, retired military officers, which called on Macron um, to, to unleash forces to impose order on France, or the military would... Um, impose that order themselves. Now, these officers were, were either retired or they were dismissed very quickly. But a far-right journal called Les Valeur Actuelles got involved and stirred up an awful lot of trouble. And it became one of those divisive moments in, in um, recent French history yet again. Andrew, and, uh, let's,
0: let's get to Macron. He, he arrives yeah. in Marseille professing his love for the place, but he also says that uh, it's all... It's all the problem, or the all the fault of video games and TikTok.
1: Well, hang on, Marseille is interesting because it's a kind of laboratory for Macron. It's a pet project for for Macron if, to see if he can rebuild um, confidence between the authorities and the government, and I think that's laudable. When he talks about video games and TikTok. I don't think it's untrue. It's not the whole story. It doesn't explain, you know, the past 40 years of conflict and, and so on. But I do think it has helped accelerate, um, just in a very practical sense, Um, kids ring each other up. This is going on over there. This is going on over there. Um, And also as well, I think this is very important as well, filming. The, these clashes, you can find a whole load of stuff on the internet, it's not hard to find. There's something performative about the battles with the police, the fireworks, the ritual chants, the you know, the um showing off to your mates kind of thing, the ram raiding and so on. So if you like, the TikTok video game stuff is at the far end of a long history of, of conflict.
0: I didn't realise that some of the rioters are as young as 13.
1: I spoke to a group of young kids on Sunday afternoon who'd been involved in riots. And I would say 12, 13, 14. This fits in a pattern with particularly Marseille of, um, in, in terms of criminality, the, there was a space of shootings in Marseille um, a, couple of mo- a couple of months ago, which I covered. And um, what was astonishing there was how young the, the young assassins were, 15, 14 years old. Now, these kids I spoke to on Sunday, they were—they didn't understand politics and they weren't interested in politics, but they were political in the sense that they knew that something was broken and fractured. And they went into, to enjoy the battle, they enjoyed the fighting, they enjoyed the writing, the, the rioting, and they enjoyed putting it all on on TikTok. So where do you go with all of that? Uh, what do you do with all of that? I think it's a major challenge for the government.
0: So what can Macron possibly do in response?
1: I think he's behaving intelligently. Um, I think he's behaving in a measured way. But there's never going to be an easy answer to this long-term, deep-rooted solution, which really has its tangled roots in in, in the poisoned web of um, uh, the poisoned soil of of French history now that sounds very nihilistic and pessimistic it's just, I think, true to that extent. Practically speaking he's had to reimpose order in the Bonnier with the police he's had to do that, and he's pulling together people from all over the country to try and formulate a strategy Um, his presidency has already been damaged by this, the cost of this is far more than the riots of 2005 already but there's never going to be an easy answer it's going to outlast him i think he's intelligent enough though to realize that he would not want his legacy as a president to be that he's created a situation in which he allows in the far right into the next um, government in the elise palace
0: i thank you for your measured response sir andrew That's been been absolutely fascinating. I've been talking to Professor Andrew Hussey, OBE, cultural historian and biographer. He's the author of The French Intifada, The Long War Between France and its Arabs. It's published by by Granta. ABC Listen. Podcasts,
1: radio, news, music and more.